Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cult Cinema Catacombs. Uh, this is uh, Roy speaking, and then, of course, joining me is uh, Mr. Farmer. Hey. What, was that, what was that burst of music? I loved his random burst of music at the beginning. <laughs> that was our theme I think song. You oh. just saw by, I think producer Chris just saw behind the curtain. That's yes. what I think happened. Oh, my. Um, Speaking of behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> so, before we get to the movie that we're discussing in this episode, we have to address something. Um, it's it, I, I think this is the first time we've ever addressed something outside of the film that we're covering, but because of the the trailer that dropped recently at comic at uh, San Diego Comic Con, we're witnessing a cult film in the making. We think, and I'm speaking, of course, of the uh, live film adaptation of the musical Cats. What's the over under on this thing? Completely bombing. I'll, in the theater, like Razzie-level bombing in well, the theater. Well, here's why I think it's going to bomb gloriously. One, based on trailer reaction alone. I mean, there are people out there who are genuinely excited about seeing this film. And I pray for them. They need a blessing. <laughs> and then you've got, you know, the normal rationale people who are looking at this and saying, what the hell are we witnessing? But here's the thing. Universal's releasing this the same exact day as Star Wars Episode what? Nine: Rise of what? the Skywalker. What? Yes. <laughs> oh, God. That's fantastic. I didn't realize this was a Universal movie, so apparently they are going forward with their shared uh, Universal Monsters universe. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, so they're releasing it up against the last Star Wars movie. Oh, God, so dumb. And so I went, and so in other words, Universal knows they have a turd on their hands here, so they're just going to dump it. They're going to be able to blame it on Star Wars. Yeah. Is their goal. Is to say, oh, no, no, it wasn't us. It was that damn Star Wars. Nobody could compete with Star Wars, no matter how great Avatar 4 is. <laughs> now, here's the, here's the thing, is, is when the day before, when they dropped the making of video, it caught my interest, and the thing is, is in the making of video, we weren't seeing any of the CGI being done on them or anything. We just saw the cast on the oversized sets doing right. their stuff and everything, and they were wearing like little costume pieces to indicate the characters they were playing. And I, I, I was thinking, okay, so maybe that they are, you know, just doing an interpretation where, you know, maybe we'll see like the feline, then it turns into the human or, you know, or something else theatrical like that. But right. then in the trailer, they mentioned about how when they're filming the movie, they're digitizing the effects on the people through the camera lens. And I'm going, okay, what is this going to look like? Then the trailer drops and I, I said it on Twitter and I'll say it here. The whole film looked like it was filmed with Snapchat. It look it looks like the face app that okay yeah. so here's the thing I was wondering how that face app got so popular so quickly and a lot of people are saying it was the Russians it's not it's Universal Studios fact <laughs> and they're using this as a propaganda tool to get you in this is the next level face app the next the next um, skin that comes out for face app is going to be the cat skin you mark my words I swear it's going to happen <laughs> yeah I mean. I'm watching the trailer and I'm giggling like Homer Simpson watching this thing because of just how much of a train wreck it was. At one point, I see Jennifer Hudson's face kind of float off her head while she's singing Memory. And I like, laugh real hard. I, I honestly thought it was a prank. Like, when I was watching it, I thought it was a prank. I was like, this can't be a real thing, can it? And it's the real thing. I mean... Oh. Cats is the gift that keeps on giving. It really is. It is. It, it is. Because the more you watch it, the more you start noticing things. Like, Dame... I can't believe they got Dame Judi Dench playing Deuteronomy. And <laughs> they've now changed Deuteronomy to this cat that has shoulder pads bigger than Joan Crawford's. That's an homage to 80s Babs. Yes. <laughs> um, it looks like they've added a plot to the movie. And... If anybody has ever, if anybody has not seen the stage show, first of all, the stage show for Cats is fucking weird. It really is. It's, it is as bizarre. The fact that it's 
as popular as it's been, and it's ran as long as it has, and it's as it is a Nick Kroll sketch made into a into a musical that somehow caught, and everybody was like, "Yeah, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen." They come into the audience and touch me because that's what I want, and it got really popular. Yeah, like it's pure eighties. It is really pure eighties. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. That's true. For those who've never seen it, there's no plot. It's just, I mean, what Andrew Lloyd Webber did is he took a book of poetry written by T.S. Eliot about a bunch of different cats that that T.S. Eliot called the Jellicle Cats and basically turned the book into a musical. So it's vignettes of of these poetries of these different cats singing and dancing. And then the song that the show's known for, Memory, he wrote just for the musical – but there really is no plot to it. I'm looking at the trailer and I'm seeing dialogue exchanges and everything, and I'm going, "Oh shit!" They gave it a plot. Right. I say we all we, go to the movie theater when it comes out with laser pointers. <laughs> That's funny. I'm, I'm into that. Um, is this where we uh, add pivot into into a pretty litter, the kitty litter that you can order to your house? Yes. Did we get an ad break in here now? Is that what we do? <laughs> Um, and I, uh, I'm glad to know that I'm not the only one who thinks that uh, the one cat with the top hat, who's the magical Mr. Mistopheles, who didn't have a top hat in the musical, so I'm trying to figure out how they found a top hat that fits this cat. But I love that they now made the cat look like Robert Smith from The Cure. Right. <laughs> I, that has to be a no. That has to be a nod, doesn't it? Like... <laughs> I just I'm looking at this and I'm going oh my god and I feel bad for the entire cast. I don't think the cast realized they were going to look like this. Oh, they're about to. At well, I all, think that they, I have to think that they did at some point, and they were already locked in. Like maybe after filming was complete, and then they said, "Shit, okay." Yeah. I turned down Star Wars for this. <laughs> like, Because nobody in the movie is hurting for a paycheck or anything. I mean, this is this is a strong A-list cast. And I'm going, wow. Um, all right, then. And, and, they, and the whole thing with... I, know, I understand that Taylor Swift's character is supposed to be the sex kitten. Because that's how she's portrayed in the literally. musical. But no, yeah, she's right. literally now the sex kitten because mm-hmm. she's laying there like, oh, come hither and fuck me <laughs> with my cat. How yet. many weird boners are there out there right now? That's what I want to know. You mean besides mine? Well, I mean, I've got a weird boner to see this movie. It has nothing to do with the fact that they're old CG cats. But I mean, how many people has it now awakened something inside of them that they don't want there? Here's the best part about this was because people were asking that question and were also asking whether or not how the, you know, that this is going to be fapping material for the furry community when the movie comes out. The furry community responded by saying, no, we're good. We want nothing to do with this movie. Nah. Like I said, when the furries back away slowly, you know you got a problem. You know you fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> you done. You done fucked up. You see, why did they release this thing on the first day of SDCC? Did they? Do they really think? See, here's my thing. Like, you want to release this trailer? Somebody in in you know whatever whatever room with a big table it's in is making these decisions has to know, right? Mm-hmm. They have to know. So you release it on. Saturday night at like 10 o'clock at night. You don't release it Wednesday night before the first day of Comic-Con hits so that everybody's the first trailer everybody sees. Is this what the fuckery? Yeah. (sighs) Especially when you've got like, I mean, we had the big announcements that Marvel made. We had the big announcement. We had the big announcement that CBS All Access made with Picard. I mean, you had all this, these great announcements. Uh, we found out that the new Terminator movie is an actual true sequel with uh, Edward Furlong coming back as John Connor. And then Universal's like, we have cats! <laughs> yeah, like, you know, this SDCC for everything, right? I usually bitch and moan because, you know, the toys that I can't get because they're exclusives and all that. But and, and everything else is usually pretty telegraphed in the lead-up. And some of the stuff was, like, obviously me doing comic book podcasts as well. I'm, I'm pretty t- tapped in. 
to, but it was buck wild. Yeah. With their releases, buck ass wild with yeah. their releases. Um, the Blade movie with Marshall Ali. Um, the you know the fact that Fantastic Four is in production. Like they went all in, and then Universal's like a jellical cat gets swept under the rug. Um, <laughs> He raised, he raised, he raised. And it did not work. No, yeah, everyone is still talking about the Cats trailer. I mean, you go on to Twitter, and my post is still trending for crying out loud four days later. And I'm going, God, I don't think this is the publicity. I mean, I know that bad publicity is still good publicity, but I really don't think this is the publicity Universal was expecting for this movie. No, no. See, here, and here's how this movie came to be. This movie looks like what you take when you ha when you take twenty years of cat memes, the script or stage play for cats, the CD of the score, put it in a computer and say here, go with it, and then it I generates thought, this. I thought Golan and Globus had passed, but apparently <laughs> they're still alive and well somewhere. They're, their brains in a jar making cats movies for Universal. Was My Roger Corman involved in this? <laughs> Have you seen the video of them putting the the the, the score to the movie Us up to the trailer? No. Oh, oh look for it after on, we're done on, recording. It's on my page on Facebook. Okay, okay. I'll and, find it. I'll yeah, find they it. yeah they took they took the I've, the Us version of I've Got Five on it and oh mixed, on the Cats trailer. Yes. Oh shit. Okay. Oh, it's right. genius. It's absolutely genius. Um. <laughs> But yeah, it really is the gift that keeps on giving uh, this movie, and the the memes I mean, it are does wild. Look like one hundred percent a fake SNL sketch. I think you were saying that. Yeah. On Facebook, it looks like a fake SNL trailer. Yeah, it, it really, really does. does. Like it without if 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 they didn't have if it was like like a few of the SNL people that were in it. It could be an SNL trailer and not a, and not a trailer for a, a major motion picture being released by Universal that they're putting up against Star Wars. Yeah, and the, and the special effect, I mean, one person on Facebook responded to me, responding to me said that, not Facebook, but Twitter said that, well, maybe they will adjust the special effects in post-production. I said, yeah, they said the same thing about uh, Superman's mustache, and you saw what we got. This whole movie is the Superman mustache effect. Uh, from the Justice League movie, stretched into about a two-hour-plus film. Yeah, if they were straightening out the CG, they would have to start over at this point, right? Yeah, would have, like, they would have the Sonic, the Sonic the Hedgehog, it all over again. Yeah. <sighs> so from 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 one summertime arena with uh, Comic Con, we go now into. Another summer arena, which ties into our movie this episode. Um, so, um, have you ever? I think you mentioned that you did go to summer camp growing up on the last episode, right? Who me? Oh yeah. hell yeah! I went to summer camp. I went to summer camp, and I loved Hollywood Video. So I'm like super like this is this is bottlenecking straight into uh, all of the things that made me who I am today. So. <laughs> So our movie is called Summer Camp Nightmare, um, which is an interesting title and the, for the way that they uh, advertise this movie because it came out in 1987. It had a very, very, very limited theatrical release um, for like a month in some places, but it went straight to home video through Embassy Entertainment. Um, and the film was uh, based on a book called The Butterfly Revolution. Okay. Um, and it's not a horror story yet. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the thing is, is it's kind of it's kind of touted in the tra as you saw in the trailer, uh, Andy. It's kind of touted as a horror film, and it's not really a horror movie. Well, it, you know, it struck me more as, and I think you told me this, and it took seeing the trailer for it to really sink in. It struck me more as the Warriors. Or maybe, um, maybe like Lord of the Flies. It didn't strike me as true horror, like straight horror, but it did have like those elements, and I think a lot of that has to do with it's something I love. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into the trailer a little bit because there's something I love in trailers like this for these movies, and it's 
if I can, speaking of uh, taking the I got five on it from us and putting it on cats, if I can take a wacky, wacky Police Academy song trailer, you know, tra- song from a trailer and put it over top of this, it becomes meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, that's everything. I'm, I'm 100% behind that. <laughs> Uh, it definitely is in the. I mean, I, 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 I take it this is your first time watching this one. Uh, oh, this one for one hundred percent for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. it definitely is in the same vein as Lord of the Flies. Um, the film was directed by Bert L. Dragon. Um, I, and, no, it wasn't. That's not a real person. Yeah, I refuse to believe that's a real. That's person. a real person. He. <laughs> Uh, he also co-wrote the screenplay with uh, Penelope Spheris, so you've got some talent behind there. Uh, the film stars Chuck Connors, um, Samantha Newark, uh, who is also known as the voice of Jem Jerrica on Jem. And as a matter of fact, uh, when you watch the movie, you'll notice a kind of a little nod to that in the movie. Uh, and really no one else. I mean, the rest of the cast is pretty much unknown. I mean, there, there might be some like familiar faces that you've seen in other projects from the 80s and the early 90s throughout it. Uh, like, I think the kid from The Stuff is in this movie also. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was basically just relegated to be one of those movies that you would see on the shelf of Blockbuster or Hollywood Video. Which shocks me that I haven't seen it because that's my bread and damn butter. Mm-hmm. Well, I so mean, you look at the po- you look at the poster alone. You've got big '80s hair, Samantha Newark screaming on the cover, while some kid is giving a white boy is giving the black power fist, <laughs> holding a <laughs> well, gun the on the cover. From what I saw, <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that whole poster is just crazy. And I, I remember when talking to Samantha about it, and she was just like, "Yeah, there I am, front and center on the poster. Great." Uh, <laughs> Sweet, awesome. <laughs> um, but I, I actually get a, I actually get a kick out of this movie, and they did show it at uh, our Alamo Draft House. I'd say about two or three years ago, and it was part two of years two years ago, and it was part of the top secret uh, Agfa screens that they do because uh, this film is in the Agfa vault, and. When the movie started, I realized what it is. I'm quickly texting Samantha going, dude, they're showing your movie on the big screen here at Alamo right now. <laughs> so, and she was she was upset that she wasn't there for it because she had lived here in Dallas-Fort Worth for a while. And this was like shortly after she moved back to Nashville. <laughs> when this I, like I would have done a Q&A. I would have gladly talked about this. Oh, I know she would have. That's the type of person Samantha is. She would have definitely done a Q&A about this thing. <laughs> I'm really excited. So here's what I get from the trailer, and you know, I just want to like dissect it a little bit. Um, there are going. See, this is why I'm I'm upset with myself for never seeing this. It looks like uh, there are going to be some boobies. I can't um, remember if there's boobies or not. I can't remember. Well, it, it, the, the trailer leads me to believe. That there are going to be boobies, okay? I know there's. I know they're not from Samantha because she was still under eighteen when she right. filmed this. But there's a. But but as a, um, how old would I have been? When did you say it came out? Uh, this was released in ninety seven. I'm not ninety seven. I'm sorry, but eighty seven. That's me at like ten years old. I probably would have seen it in a in a in a blockbuster or something when I was twelve. Mm-hmm. So yes, that would have been a huge draw for me. Um, the fact that it looks like. It looks like a movie by the by solely by the cover that would have been in the general vicinity of robot shots. <laughs> yes, and I would have definitely picked it up and watched it at some point. I'm just a little shocked. Also, I love rope bridges, and it seems like that's their main like uh, like walk the plank scenario in the trailer. So. Oh yeah, the rope bridge plays a major part in this story. Yes, it's really bizarre. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely plays a, a major part in the story, um, and uh, <laughs> I'm curious to hear your reaction to Chuck Connor's character, uh, Mr. Warren, the person who's in charge of the summer camp, and I also am curious to hear your reaction to the cover of the song Beef Baloney uh, that is performed in, <laughs> in this movie as well, because we do get, since it's summer camp, we do get a talent show night 
in this uh, in this film. To the death. <laughs> <laughs> No, I did not. Um, in fact, I didn't see this until Samantha told me about it. And I sought it out because it's not available on, on DVD or Blu-ray at all. It's never made the jump from VHS. Oh, give it time. <laughs> After this podcast, it will. <laughs> um, We're going to bury cats and make this into a Blu-ray <laughs> Criterion Collection movie. <laughs> And apparently, um, at the Alamo Draft House, prior to seeing it at AGFA, they they have uh, Alamo Draft House has this series called Video Vortex, where they show films that have never made the jump from VHS. So it's like an actual VHS copy of the movie. And apparently, nice. Summer Camp Nightmare was one of those films. Um, I found, in fact, the version we're going to watch is the version that I found on YouTube and watched it. And yeah, like I said, I was getting a Lord of the, of the Flies vibe to it. And I was like, wow, this was actually better than I thought it was going to be. I'm surprised that this hasn't been picked up like Shout Factory or something. Um, but that's, that's, I would say that I probably saw Summer Camp Nightmare for the first time around four to five years ago. So, I'm, okay, so how many movies have we been through now? Oh, dear God. Um, I've lost count. 12 definitely something. I would say because let's see here we I mean our 10th movie was Picnic at Pride Rock so if we go from there not Pride Rock not pr- I'm sorry movie. not Pride Rock no. Picnic at Pride Rock that's a different movie, movie right now we don't need to talk about that either <laughs> I mean uh, Picnic at Hanging Rock I, I meant oh by the way um, that reminds me right now uh, the Criterion movies are on sale for half off at uh Barnes and Noble, and that's right. That is one of them that's on sale. Is Picnic and Hanging Damn. Rock? I gotta go. I gotta go to. I gotta get to Barnes and Noble and get Two for One Thief, which is something I've held out on buying for a long time with James Cod, and uh, and uh, Picnic and Hanging Rock. Yeah, I wound up getting. Um, uh, what did I get? Oh, uh, Brian De Palma's Sisters, his first horror film. And I also pre-ordered "Do the Right Thing" the 4K restoration with oh, it. Oh shit, that's awesome! So, my, so let's see. Was... So, so we've done. Let's see. So, a picnic at Hanging Rock was the tenth film. So then there was 11, 12, 13, 14. We're this is Holy film crap. six. This is film sixteen right here you've, that we're doing. You've put me into a state where time and space means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> So let me ask you this, Bar. You you've seen my reactions to most of the films that yeah. we've we've all of the films that we've done. You you bore witness to my to, to my reactions, right? Mm-hmm. How am I going to react to this film? Probably. I'm curious to see how close you get it to like reality. Um, I would say you probably would react to this film maybe the same way you reacted to Picnic at Hanging Rock. Um. Maybe the same way you reacted to uh, Robo Jocks. Okay, but not we're not we're not full blown kiss in the Phantom of the No, Park. you're not going to have a kiss in the Phantom of the Park reaction to this. Um, okay, and you're not going to have a Apple Maximum Overdrive reaction to this. Well, thank God, because <laughs> I don't think I can take another Maximum Overdrive reaction. <laughs> um, I'm because well, actually, you may. I mean, I don't know because it's not really. It's it's not one of those movies where there's so much over the top oh my godness happening to it. I mean it's 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 a forgotten film by many, but those who are fans of it and the cult following of it, mostly mostly it's because of them remembering seeing the box on the shelf at Blockbuster and Hollywood Video, or they're either fans of or friends of Samantha Newark. <laughs> it's the friends of Samantha Newark. <laughs> Film festival movie, like. <laughs> pretty much. So I mean, because yeah, because it is a pretty straightforward film. There's nothing. Re- I mean, the only wacky moment is the beef baloney song, and it's meant to be a wacky moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 a well, good. It's overall, I think it's a good movie. So I'm I'm into it. So I I mean, I'm excited to check this out. So whatever whatever, are we going to run the trailer in between? Because I think we have to. 
Um, well, the trailer is pretty long. I don't know yet. Give them three. I'm telling you, give them three minutes, guys. Here's what. Here's my contest for you. The first person that can email, I got something. I'll send it to you. I don't care. I'll make a decision. Um, the first person that can email me the list of every trade publication that they're going to, uh, <laughs> I will send you a special prize in the mail. That is that is the truth, Ruth. And the main reason I want this is because I don't have the patience to go back and write them all down, but I want to. <laughs> so, yeah, you can message us then that through our, either our Facebook page or through Twitter at These Films Exist to let us know how many. Because, yeah, it really is a shopping list of trade publications that are boasting Summer Camp Nightmare. I love uh, the fact that bottom billing is like Premier Magazine, and somewhere in the middle is like. Uh, video editing software magazine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, was, well, hey, was your ad campaign built out by the same people that are doing cats? <laughs> <laughs> really dropped the ball on that one. <laughs> All right, you ready to go to summer camp? I am so ready. Revolution. Revolution. <laughs> revolution. All righty, we will be right back. Revolution! To the revolution! To the revolution! To the revolution! Our lead feature for May, <laughs> Summer Camp Nightmare. What started as a summer of fun. Oh, come on, anybody can cross that thing. Oh, yeah? <laughs> became a nightmarish game. I'll do it if you'll do it. In this camp, kids won't just be kids, they'll be killers. Some of us have been talking, and we've decided to take over the camp. From now on, you do exactly as I say. Do you understand? decree of the Supreme Revolutionary Committee. Controlled by the deadliest one of them all, a maniacal leader. Yes, sir, General Riley. His punishment is to cross the rope bridge. No way, Franklin. I'm not going to do it. Oh, yes, you are. Get him out there, Rock. Hand over hand, Donald. I'm gonna fall. Please, please, Rock, I'm gonna fall. Okay, then it's party time at Camp North Pines tonight. A leader who gave them what they thought they wanted. revolution with guns and knives and boys and girls sleeping together and everything it's the best camp ever love Peter. it's a camp where no one is in control ow you're hurting me is promoting Summer Camp Nightmare with a full-size poster and a big advertising push with ads in major trade and consumer magazines, video business, video store, video insider, and video software dealer, plus video review, coming attractions, and preview. So get ready for a summer of action with Summer Camp Nightmare. Street date, May 13th. To the revolution! No. 
What did you think of Summer Camp Nightmare? It's a wild-ass movie. It is a wild-ass movie. I, lo- I, re- I liked it. I-, I liked it a lot, actually. I thought it was really good. It was very... Watching it now is very... Uh, there- there's a lot of nostalgia there. Like, mm. you know... And uh, I thought it was a very good movie. Um, but it's a- it is a straight-up wild-ass movie. <laughs> Um, I, I, I'm actually curious to read the book that this is based on. And I was trying to, I was trying to figure out what they meant in the title of the book about the butterfly. And then I just remembered that, um, that the person in charge of the, the camp, Mr. Um, Herbert, the pervert there played by Chuck Connors liked butterflies. So that well, I was like, that's where it comes from. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he does. He really likes butterflies. He's super into it. He, so he apparently that. is super into boy into butterflies and little boys. So, I mean, is he though? Because don't we find out later that he isn't necessarily that it's just you know? No, they never really resolved it. Actually, well, they they kind of did. If, if I, I I'm gonna uh, there's a point in the movie at the very end where they are. Doing something to him. I think it's before, spoiler alert, his untimely demise, that it comes out that the kid had said he had, that that, that isn't what happened and he made it up. Oh, I must have missed that part. I'm sorry. That's, I'm, hey, listen, I missed a lot of things. Like, I didn't <laughs> realize that, um, that, uh, Uncle Touchy there was, uh, now granted, he's still Uncle Touchy. He yeah. just maybe didn't deserve that, 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 that's some fine boys you've got there. We need to take them on a on a butterfly hike. Yes. But like, I didn't realize that he was the, the principal of the school that they all went to. Yeah. I didn't realize that until after the movie when I was reading something about it. Yeah, apparently he was also the school principal. And, and apparently everybody has to watch Televangelist because it's good for the soul. Oh, the whole movie. I'm, I'm telling you, this is a wild-ass movie. <laughs> it's a wild ass movie. There's only two speed. There, there are three or four movies in this hour and twenty minutes, and there are only two speeds in this movie. Either <laughs> nobody gives a shit about anything that's happening around them, or it is the most extreme Joan Collins ripped on Adderall and alcohol <laughs> reaction you could possibly have. That's it. In the arts and crafts section. Favorite scene in the entire movie. That line is my favorite line in the entire goddamn movie. That's the reaction to that. that, That's this movie's equivalent to in front of my fucking salad. Yeah, yeah. Or or the the, uh, peonies line. That's this movie's peonies line. Because there's no... Literally the same group of people show up in the house with a gun and everybody's like, all right. And, uh, but no, God forbid that these two teenagers are kissing each other in the arts and crafts section. Yeah. In the arts and crafts section, the sacredness of the arts and crafts section. Like what is going on here? Go ahead, talk about some stuff. I can't, I can't, I gotta catch up. <laughs> well, 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 I mean, we've already brought up the whole arts and crafts section scene, because, yeah, because her reaction was priceless. It's like they only, like, like did a couple kiss, kissy kissies here and there, and she comes barging in acting like he's begging her or something. And she's like, like, this, like, like he's bitter, got her bit over in the Sistine Chapel, <laughs> the way she reacts to the arts and crafts section. So yeah, the grandma, the, the grandma camp counselor of the girls camp just has a hissy fit. Um, but prior to that hissy fit happening, we have a hissy fit come, we, we have two hissy fits actually come from Chuck Connors' character. Uh, one is the kids, uh, thanks to this one boy who just happens to be an expert at electronics 
uh, which because oh, the we, one that's discovering is like the 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 uh, the. Uh, the narrator of the story who's discovering yeah. his sexuality while he's at a, a summer camp. Yes. With, yeah. That kid. Yeah. yeah. That is one story this is telling. Yeah. One the, of them. the kid who's discovering there's more to life than diodes and, and, and tape recorders. Um, so he, he basically Jerry rigs the television, which in the rec room has been, also Jerry Rig somehow, which I'm trying to figure out with this ancient technology, how Stop they trying did to figure it. it out. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> that the only channel that they could watch uh, uh, is a UHF channel that is a religious net, uh, channel. And there's no sign of a cable box anywhere or anything. So this is one of those old-fashioned, old, old-fashioned televisions where it's just relying on the UHF antenna that's attached to the television. So I'm trying to figure out how he's managed to block out like everything else. The yeah. ABC and the NBC and the CBS network that's close by. But they managed to also alter the antenna so that way it suddenly is showing like this aerobic workout video, I guess. I don't know. I just remember there was some very questionable hairstyles on the girls in this video. I need to say something about this, though. <laughs> okay? I need to say something about this. What I need to say is this. I have been, in my youth, right, with groups of young men. Large, you know, not large, but maybe 10 or 12. And never once... Ever once was our reaction to seeing a, a woman in lingerie, hubba hubba, give it to me, squeezy hands. Like, what is that? <laughs> the one kid in the front who is like air shoving food in his mouth. Like, I guess he's air shoving the boobs into his yeah, face or something. Like, I don't know. Their knuckles and shit. <laughs> like, come oh, the what? <laughs> These kids were really horny, apparently, uh, to the point where they got all Tex Avery with looking at, <laughs> looking at these women in lingerie. And, of course, this, this pisses uh, <laughs> Daddy Gums, the children, off and closes off the rec room from, every, from everybody to use. And then there's the Night of the Talent Show, which allows the kids from the okay so the boys side of the summer camp is the north side and the girls side of the summer camp it. is the south God side so it. we need yeah. to, we need to establish that before we talk about what happens at the talent show because well, so much stuff we, we start to get the sense before the talent show that shit's a little off the rails around oh yeah. here Oh yeah, because um, because the kids are everything fun is being taken away from them, and the Chuck Connors character apparently the only things that he really wants the kids to do is either watch the Jesus Channel or go on butterfly hunts. No, there is one other thing. Oh, because this is the part of the this is the part that's super weird, right? This is the part that 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 is really like what the hell is there is a quote-unquote, oh, yeah. optional meditation room. Yes. It's actually just solitary confinement. Yeah, I forgot about the, the meditation room. And after the makeout scene with the uh, arts and crafts section, they send, I think it's Chris, um, to the meditation room. And lock so them up and lock them up in there like it's yes. fucking Alcatraz. Yeah, they, they, got them in, they got them in three days to the condor up in that piece of shit. And like and nobody bats an eye at that. Yeah. Like you just locked a child at summer camp in a prison cell, a solitary confinement prison cell, and nobody's gonna bat an eye. Nobody's gonna say anything about that. Obviously there's something off yeah. about this. And obviously it's gonna make a revolution happen, which we'll get into a minute. Because we, we have that action. We have the thing that happens with the uh, rec center. And then we have the talent show where the kids get to inter uh, get to interact with the, with the girls at summer camp for the first time. And this is also where we get to meet um, Samantha in the movie. Um, th there's this girl group that is up on stage 
performing a song called Down South, I guess, is uh, the name of the song. What did I say about Down South immediately? <laughs> <laughs> this song is about vaginas. <laughs> Pretty much. There's no subtlety at all. I mean, I, I know that they are supposedly talking about come to the South Side and we'll show you a good time. But yeah. when, when they're like doing a V dance shape down to their groin and saying down south, I'm just like, okay. But it was like we'll it, the, the line in the song that they kept basically repeating was, "We'll take care of you down south." Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, it was about vaginas. <laughs> And, and 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 maybe even oral sex because well, taking taking care of you downtown, you, which is a song about dicks. Yeah, so they got their bases covered. Yeah, because the thanks to the beef baloney song that comes out of nowhere, it 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 pisses both Chuck Connors and the granny from the Southside camp off, and they cancel the co-ed dance and all other activities involving with the Southside camp. So that makes this one dickhead. Um, who is apparently, was he reading a book about Marxism? What the hell was he reading? I uh, think so. The smart, the, the quote unquote, it's like he learned and decided that he was going to be, become a revolutionary Yeah, while he was on summer camp. Yes, because he's reading these books about it and decides that on the day of the uh, the camp's turnabout day, which I don't know. Right, I don't know. A if bad idea. Yeah, right. I was gonna ask. Did your summer camp have turnabout day? Because mine didn't. No, we made wallets. <laughs> we there were no activities for these kids at this camp. No, by the way. I mean, I mean, my activities when I went to summer camp was usually archery, the rec room, which actually had video games. It didn't have television, but it had video games or, you know, pool tables or, or foosball, stuff that, I, you know, we actually want to play. Um, the, the swimming pool, fishing, horseback riding, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we made candles and shit. Yeah. Like, oh, I, and, but oh. there was nothing for these kids to do. Like, they weren't even allowed to swim with the girls. No, they weren't. I mean, yeah, we if, had... If, a, when we say the, camp, the, 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 the the girls' camp was south, we mean south by, like, a football field away. Yeah, there was a ravine that was, that, like, this rocky ravine that had this rickety, which, and we'll get to more about the rickety rope bridge in a minute, dividing between the two of them. So it wasn't like they had to hike in order to get to this camp. Um... So they decide on turnabout day, which is the day that the camp counselors have to act like the kids and the kids act like the camp counselors. Again, bad idea. Right. To start the revolution. And what's supposed to be innocent fun all of a sudden turns into, oh shit, there's a gun. <laughs> it starts with it starts with a chant of free like they didn't know this was going to come chris the guy who's locked up in the meditation center for his spiritual well-being that they won't let out it starts with a chant of free chris and then they make a run on the like like um and then they make a uh you know one day more uh run on the on the bastille that is the uh <laughs> the meditation center to free him and yes there is a gun did the counselors keep around for protection? Yeah, I, the gun just came out of nowhere, and I was just like, "So is this camp known for having um, a possible like Jason Voorhees style attack, or is there a path? Maybe, a may, maybe this camp used camp? to, maybe this camp used to be Camp Arawak from the, the, the Sleepaway Camp series, so they have a gun just in case Angela comes back." I have no idea why they would ever need a gun, but they've got one just in case. <laughs> and he gets his hands on it and basically does a citizen's arrest and locks the counselors up um, and boards their windows and says that and is telling all the kids, uh, not only at the North Camp, but the South Camp as well, that it's all part of Turnabout Day and... That the revolution is all for fun, 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 fun. And that's when the Lord of the Flies aspect kicks in oh at my that God. point. 
they start well they immediately start naming people part of the revolutionary army yeah. and part of the what is it the council i forget what they they refer to the revolutionary council as the 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 council the council of the new millennial the, the council of the new millennium revolution okay <laughs> okay but they start naming people to the council and like it's just so it's so dumb. It's just so dumb. And well, it just shows what would happen if, you know, something like, how stupid it would be if something like this actually happened. I just love their idea of what an eyes wide shut party is like. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh my God. Wow. I mean, I'm not wrong. No, you're not wrong, but. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna go there. Just watch the movie and you'll make it out with everybody on the couches and like dancing. At least they had the common courtesy at one point to say, "Get the kids out of here." Yeah, and they took the children, the literal children that they've now got in a revolution against the camp counselors, which, by the way, are locked up in the meditation room Mm -hmm. with a guard. Um, We're guards. Oh, can we talk about the rope bridge? Oh, yeah, we're going to get to the rope bridge in a minute. We will. Because we got a rope bridge. We got a little early denouement rope bridge, or I guess, you know, foreshadowing rope bridge when the guy decided he was going to cross it. And it took what felt like seven hours. (laughs) He just, like, was like a swinging monkey. And it was definitely foreshadowing for what was going to happen next. Because we've. We had a couple of references to uh, the 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 rope bridge. The rope bridge basically became the um, <laughs> the gauntlet of justice, basically for anybody who went against the revolution. And yeah, they tried to do this whole like um, like uh, rolling back of society back to you know ancient tribes that would use like trials of adversity as their judgments if you can survive you're strong enough um you know things like that but it just didn't work because they didn't know enough they were dumb that's why it didn't work yeah and the time when this really comes into play and this is this is samantha's big moment in the movie is spoiler alert she gets raped and um and thank God children were there to see it. Yes, and children were there to what? see the rape. Um, so, of course, he's brought to uh, to the council, which he's a part of, uh, to have judgment passed. And so he's he's all proclaiming his innocence and basically doing the whole thing of, well, she was asking for it. And Samantha's over there like, kill him! And... <laughs> And, and so they that's when they come up with the idea of the of the drawbridge or not the drawbridge but the rope bridge being the punishment and he survives so needless to say the the girls um react the way that honestly I think they needed to react which was to kill him <laughs> well not only just to kill him but like then they led their own revolution. They just swarmed him and were like, nah, Yeah. Nah. As the one kid said, like, carried him off like ants carrying food back to their hive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and pretty much lynched him. They, they, they I mean, we, we, we discover, uh, up in the woods, right? yeah, they lynched him in the woods. And I was just like, well, um, he, he raped her. So, you know, and justice wasn't served. And, but of course, the the kid, the technical, the technological kid, and everything, of, of course, goes and turns his back on the revolution because at this point, the the kid realizes, okay, this has gone too far, and tries to get the authorities involved, and then he is punished by going onto the rope bridge. Well, but there's also the two that are constantly like trying to stop it. Yeah, and well, they're and they and they've been ordered to, and the whole camp has been ordered to basically shun, shun them. them. It's it's the scarlet letter. It's it's the crucible. Shun them. Shun them. Don't look at their faces. They're dirty, dirty faces. They think we're doing something. If you look at these people who are actually trying to do the right thing, you're going to hell. Right. 
They have an opinion. How dare they? But, um, and, and so it leads up to the final climactic battle where, um, I mean, you're really leaning into that terminology. Yeah, and I put italicis around the word battle, um, where they make him cross the rope bridge. And, of course, he's being bullied by members of the council because... Well, he requ- he sent a message out. Mm-hmm. Um, because they are, you know, killing people. Well, they killed... So at that part, at the Eyes Wide Shut party, they bring in uh, whatever the... the uh, Captain Feel Around! (laughs) Um, And they're, like, shunning Chuck Connors' character by, like, what were they doing to him? Oh, they they made the whole woman, like, (laughs) slut dance all of them. They had the whore of Babylon dancing around her, basically, around him, basically. (laughs) And he, uh, you know... And the, and, the, and the one kid, the, the reason he gets shunned is because he wants to stop it. He's like, that's enough. I, that's, You've you know, taken this too far. They've like burnt down his butterfly collection. They have done like all kinds of stuff. And you're taking it too far. And, and so they shun him. And then they take, they take uh, uh, what, Beef Baloney Kid. Uh, what do they call him? Grunk? I don't remember yeah, what grunk, Yeah, grunk the, grunk the Chunk or Grunk or whatever. Well, 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 the horror of Babylon says more like Grunk the hunk, and I'm just like, uh, no. I mean, he's he's not a hunk at all. First of he's all, a he's Gene Simmonsy little man. He's is what he is. He's got he's got a hairdo that can't decide if it wants to be a mullet or an afro, and <laughs> he's got acne all over his face. And I was just like. Going, I was like, I'm hoping that was a makeup choice, and if it wasn't a makeup choice, and I feel sorry for this poor kid that the makeup department didn't bother covering that up for him in this movie. But they take him; he takes Chuck Connors out to back to go back to the uh, meditation center, and ends up accidentally stabbing him with a knife. <laughs> I, I, this is the one point where I laugh because when he goes to tell the leader of the revolution of the of this and that it's an accident. He he actually says the words. He ran into my knife, and yeah. immediately Chicago went into my head. Right. And I'm like, he ran into my knife ten times. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's that. That's exactly what it is. And I was just like, what? And of course, it's just like he gets up and like rubs his face. He's like, oh, oh, we'll handle it after lunch. <laughs> <laughs> And so, so he's been killed. the The kid who raped um, Samantha's character he was he was lynched and murdered. Um, they do manage to get a hold of the authorities, and the authorities arrive uh, during a, a fight that happens where we think Beef Bologna guy gets thrown into the ravine and killed. But nope, he's alive. I don't know how he survived well, what the I jagged rock. Funny is they got the message from. Um, uh, worst version of uh, what's the what's the uh, worst version of Wonder Years over there? Um, <laughs> I mean, he sent it out saying this is what's going on. There's been a revolution in the camp, and uh, you know somebody's died. Like he he laid it all out for him. Mm-hmm. They got it like eighteen hours before they show up at the camp. Yeah, the cops just don't bother. To come to the camp for like eighteen hours. Yeah, you know, you get you you get the, the uh, which makes me wonder about these cops because yeah, the cops are just like oh they're having fun, killed, ha ha ha, you know, and then they finally show up, and it make it also makes me wonder where the closest civilization is to this camp, because if it took eighteen hours for them to report to a murder at the camp because of the kids basically all going Lord of the Flies on it. Where in the hell is the nearest town? <laughs> right. So the cops show up, they break everything up, they find the body, they've got um, uh, the, the ringleader in the back of a car, everybody else pretty much gets to go home. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh and, and, the ring, uh, and the ringleader's parents are coming back from Europe. Right, right. <laughs> and, and then pretty much uh, Randy Newman's I Love L.A. plays and they all drive <laughs> off into the sunset. Now speak- It's like, the kid gets in the car with his now girlfriend. Oh, I know that was that was a 
fast relationship that happened too. I mean, yeah. Or it was twelve hours. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. They take the gun and they get everybody together, and then uh, you hear it's in the way that you use it, and then they drive off. That's the end of the whole thing. Now, right now speaking speaking of the music, did you notice who the person was? That now, you would mention this, and no. Okay, so we had two people who did the music for this that are actually known names. The first one is Gary Chase. Gary Gary Chase has done uh, music for all sorts of movies here and there, but the music that he's most famous for is doing the music for uh, something called the uh, for an album called The Myth, which is this concept album that he did of what the fuck music. Um, however, he teamed up with a Mr. Ted Neely for this movie and I'm sure that there's some people right now who recognize who that name is and if you don't Ted Neely is best known as Jesus from Jesus Christ Superstar what? Yeah. <laughs> yes uh, the guy who played Jesus and Jesus Christ Superstar is is resp- I mean he didn't I don't know if he did beef bologna or not but he's responsible for the downtown or the down south song and no, the other, he is not. yes, he is, and the other music that's playing in this movie. So the next time you watch Jesus Christ Superstar on home video, think of that <laughs> when you see Ted Neely performing one of his songs. Now, this is the man who also went on to write a song about teenage girls singing about their vaginas. <laughs> um. So I need to. I have a suggestion. Yes. Okay, the director of this film, Burt Dragon. Great name. Uh, uh, not related. Um, is uh, Has two film directing credits to his name. One of them is Summer Camp Nightmare. The other one came out a year later called Twice Dead. Um, Twice Dead is um, a, basically the story of a family that buys a house... Uh, that inherited the house from a, a, a dead, deranged stage actor oh, that God. Then haunts them while they're in the house. And it looks effing amazing. And I, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but if you haven't, I think we should find it and then both add it to our list. Of I have events. not, but I'm looking at it right now. And just the poster alone is epic. The uh, cast is great. Well, we got way. Brooke Bundy so and Todd... Yeah. Todd Bridges, yes, okay, there we go. Yeah, that's going to be added to the fold. Yeah, I think we need to add this to the fold. We've got classic horror actors from Nightmare on Elm Street movies as well as... Todd Bridges. uh, Candy Man. (laughs) So, yeah, we're going to have to add this one into the pile so we could take a look at it at one point. I'm surprised Penelope Spheris was able to move on after this movie because she's no, you know, no one to, to sneeze at. This is the woman who... When I, not, not only gave us the decline of the Western civilization, but also suburbia, the Wayne's world. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, Penelope Spears has had a pretty damn good career. Uh, so I'm, I'm surprised that she was involved with, with this film somehow. But Was it uh, her first credit? No, it wasn't her first film credit. Um, uh, her first film credit as a, as a writer was the decline of the Western civilization. Um, really? Yeah, okay. and and suburbia. I mean, she went on. To, I mean, she's directed a lot of little things here and there. But yeah, she's went on to not. I mean, the decline of Western civilization is known as, and the sequels that came after it are known as you know some of the great uh, documentaries that explored the post punk new age yeah. scene. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and she's also directed films that have a a beloved following, like. Not only Wayne's World, but suburbia. also Suburbia well, and and the Little Rascals movies from the '90s and and the film Black Sheep. So it's not like she's done crap, <laughs> you know. She is also, I might add. Okay, she directed Wayne's World. She yeah. Also directed Wayne's World's version of Bohemian Rhapsody. Yep. Which catapulted Bohemian Rhapsody back 
into stardom when it had it, it wasn't forgotten, but it had fallen off of the charts a little bit. This catapulted Bohemian Rhapsody back onto the charts, mm-hmm. thus allowing us and it to have more YouTube. I think it's one billion YouTube views it hit this week, and also you know we got the boat, we got the movie. Yeah. So I she she the woman that was partially responsible for Summer Camp Nightmare is probably also partially responsible for. Um, the, the Freddie Mercury biopic that we saw this year. <laughs> well, not only that, but she also wrote a number of episodes of the original Roseanne show for a while. So, yeah, she's she's no one to slouch at. She's not so, a slouch, yeah. Yeah, so I'm amazed she survived. <laughs> God bless her for doing it. If anybody, somebody needed to make it out of this thing in one piece, and I'm glad it was her. And Sam. And, and Sam. Sam. Sam absolutely made it out in one piece. Oh, yeah. So, would you recommend this movie? Yes. Yes, I would. 100% I would recommend this piece because it is super fun and nostalgic and also batshit crazy. Yeah, I don't, I guess maybe there's, I don't understand why it's never made the jump from VHS and Laserdisc. The only thing I can think of is maybe the music rights. I don't know. But honestly, I wish this would make the jump from VHS and Laserdisc over to DVD and Blu-ray. Shout Factory would be the perfect launching pad for this movie to make that jump because it, it, it really does deserve to be seen by a wider audience. It really is. It, it is a fun film and it's, it is going all over the place and, you know, because it goes from what could be a wacky summer camp movie to a summer camp killer movie to Lord of the Flies to uh, discovering young love for the first time to singing about vaginas and, <laughs> and well, just and a I lot think, going on in this movie, but it's fun. Yeah, no, it, it is. It's everywhere, right? It's also su- a super fun movie. It's, um, it's very nostalgic. And I, th- I put it somewhere in the liquid sky range of films um, for me probably a little below that in our, in our listing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't drag like liquid sky does. I, I mean, it, there's enough going on to this movie where you don't feel bored. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it there's constantly something happening and, and, um, and that's what I think helps the movie a lot also is that the pacing is actually really well done with this film. It, something like this could have easily just, been sluggish and drawn out like a lot of camp movies from the 80s tend to have happened to them. So I'm glad that it didn't have that vibe to it. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I would, but still, yeah, I, I definitely say go see this thing. It's it's pretty good. It is available on YouTube. Um, I, pa- I, I did post the link through the Facebook page um, and also on, t- on the Twitter uh, thread for this film. That's really the only way you're going to be able to see this movie currently uh, is through YouTube. So to whoever uploaded this movie from the Laserdisc copy to YouTube, thank you very much for at least giving some outlet for people to see this film because it really does deserve Yeah, it's great. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it. (laughs) Now for our next film, we are going in a completely opposite direction. All right, let's hear it. Now, there was one film that I was going to show you next, but I've decided to put it on the back burner for a couple of other episodes because I was recently exposed to this film from 1997 um, at Alma Draft House, and I immediately went, holy shit, we got to do this movie on the show. Um, all right. We're going all the way to Germany. Oh, all right. Um, it's a German horror film from 1997 shot all on home video, and you could tell. You you could tell Interesting. Yeah, okay. you could tell this thing was like shot on an old Betamax. Uh, <laughs> All right. The movie is called Premutos. 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 Yes, and it is about a fallen angel that fell to earth prior to Satan. Um, okay. Who <laughs> who is sure. a, who is apparently more dangerous than Satan? Right. And um. After being vanquished many, 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 many years ago, after the blood poured red all over the ground, he's resurrected. And, all right. And 
what made me have to choose this film is not only because of the fact that it obviously shot on a Betamax camera um, in, in 1997, but I didn't think it was possible for a movie to out-goofy and out-gore Dead Alive until I saw Premutos. Okay. And, All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm listening. And I was just in shock by how over the top this movie is. And I was like, oh, we've got to do this. We have absolutely got to do this movie. So that is our next one is Premutos. Um, it's also got the worst dubbing I've ever seen in my entire life. The dubbing in this thing is comedy gold. It really is. And I'm surprised this thing doesn't have a cult following. If, if it does, I'm not aware of it. Because I, I didn't hear about this movie until uh, just a few nights ago at the Alamo Draft House. And it is now officially in my vernacular of films. Nice. Uh, so I cannot wait to hear your reaction to this one at I all. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> Uh, again, you can find us on Facebook uh, under Cult Cinema Catacombs, and you can also find us on Twitter under These Films Exist. Also, want to give a quick shout out uh, to anybody who's listening to this show in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Uh, there is a series that has recently started up at the Lake Highlands Alamo Draft House that is kind of like, I guess you could say, kind of like a, a, a sister thing to this. My friend Nathan uh, Nathaniel is hosting. A series called Cream of the Cult, where he'll take uh, cult films and show it on the screen. And some of these are films that haven't received screenings in quite a while. Like just recently, uh, they screened the uncut version of The Cook, The Thief, The Wife, and Her Lover. Wow. Which I hadn't seen in years. Um, but if you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, check out the Lake Highlands page. Uh, it's, a, it's once a month. And um, it's 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 late night for a reason because these films are out there, but in a good way. So definitely check it out. Sweet. All right. So join us next time when we go to Germany. So uh, yeah. <laughs> and um, experience the terror that uh, it, it, in all of its Betamax glory that is Primutos. And, uh, <laughs> and all right. we will talk to you all later. Bye.